So the message is really just a bit of an introduction for, uh, for the message today. Uh, share with God's people in need and practice hospitality. Paul continues to give us very practical messages on how and what we should do in the church to be a blessing. And so today is another very practical message. Share with God's people who are in need. Okay. Well, there are many needs out there, and we have needs uh, as well. And so <clears throat> the basic spirit of a, of a Christian, of someone that has faith, is this idea that following the manner of Jesus Christ, we try to give, <laughs> we try to give um, <clears throat> more of ourselves in sharing our lives with others, with those that might be in need. And so uh, the great ex example that we follow, of course, is, is the example of Jesus Christ. And so the Bible talks about, uh, in elsewhere in Philippians, about what Jesus did and how we should follow his example as Christians. So I'm going to start with that verse. It says, Philippians 2, 3 through 5. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So Paul reminds us in the, the book in Philippians that our attitude should follow the attitude of Jesus Christ, who wasn't always thinking about his own needs, but to consider others and their needs, and, uh, and to humble ourselves to be able to be servants of others and to meet the needs of others. So our, our supreme example, of course, in, in sharing uh, with others and giving of ourselves to others is what Jesus Christ did. And uh, as we shared earlier, Jesus Christ met our greatest need, not only of ourselves here, but of everyone in the world, potentially. And what was that need? The greatest need that the world has is not so much for money or food or bread, those are necessary, but those are short-term. Right? The thing that the world needs the most is an eternal relationship with God through the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. And that is something that is not only desperately needed in the life of every person who has a soul, but it's also the greatest gift of God. So Jesus comes and he fed and he you know, healed and he did all those things. Well, that was great. But he did the greatest thing of all, which is to show the world that there is a way back to God and to have salvation through the Son. So he met our deepest need that we have as people, as created of God. Now, as we talk about uh, sharing with God's people, um, there's an awful lot of needs out there. There's you know, needs outside the church, needs in the world, and you know, we think about all those needs and we really get kind of overwhelmed. Like, how could you know, me as a person possibly fulfill all these needs? And we probably can't. It's kind of hard to do. But, but God's message for us today is actually quite specific in that he talks about sharing with priority. Okay? And what do I mean by that? He says, share with God's people first. And who are God's people? They're the family of God. They're the believers, the brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? So, of course, we, like, we, we want to help everybody. We should help everybody if we can. You know, love is for everybody, of course. But there's a priority in love, which is God says, take care of your family first. Okay? 
And that's natural. I mean, if, if you don't have enough resources at home and you don't have food to feed your kids, you're less likely to go and help someone on the street, okay? If your own family has not even been taken care of. So God gives us a sense of priority to say, take care of the needs of the body of Christ, the family of God first. In other words, make sure that everyone in your church, let's say at ICF, their needs are taken care of first before we consider the needs of others. Does that make sense? And another way to say that is if you're not even taking care of your own people, don't talk about helping other people because you should address the needs in your own family first as a priority. And if you're doing that well, and all the needs are taken care of, that's awesome. Now go and share with everybody else as well. Now don't think of this as an exclusion of those other people. We love everybody, right? And we want to help everybody. But what God says is, take care of your family of God first. And when Paul is giving this instruction to the church, he's saying exactly that. You have brothers and sisters in the church. Are their needs met? First, let's do that first as a priority. So what he's saying is share with God's people according to their needs, to those who have need first, and then go out and share with others. I'll give you a practical example. We have a a thing in the church called a care committee. I don't know if everybody knows about it, but we have a thing called a care committee. There are needs that arise in the church, right? Some people can't pay a rent, got an electricity bill, or my car, you know, got into a wreck, I need some help with a new car, whatever it may be, we, we hear from various sources in the church that there's a need in the church, and it's brought to the care committee. I'm a member of the care committee. So it's brought to the care committee, and we look at the, the situation and see if we can help out. Now, if it's a member of the body of Christ, we know their background, we know who they are, we know everything, right? And so more than likely, uh, we will help them. And usually we will write a check for a bill rather than just give them cash, just for accountability purposes. But uh, as far as I know, those types of needs that have been brought up in the church, we've always met. Okay? Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. So, uh, but there have been situations where someone just literally walked off the street, right? They walked right into the church on a Sunday afternoon, you know, and they, they came to us and said, oh, I got a need, right? Well, I need money, I need stuff. What do you do? Right? I mean, they just whip out a check and say, you know, I hope you have a good day, or, you know, do we go take them down to McDonald's and feed them? I mean, we can do various things, but it becomes a bit of a dilemma because the, the question the care committee asks first is this question. Have the, we have resources for these things. Have the needs of the members of the body of Christ been met first? That's the first question we have to answer, right? If we haven't taken care of the bills and the electricity bill of the members in the body of Christ, we're not going to whip out a, a check and give it to somebody else, right? That's the wrong priority. We have to take care of the people and the family of God, the brothers and sisters first, right? In other words, we have to know that information in order to make a decision. So we want to help this person that walked up the street desperately. But we also need to know, is there any other needs in the church? Without answering that first question, it's hard to do the second thing. The answer to that, what we actually did, is we did help them. We bought them food. We gave them money. And the care company is thinking, I wonder if there's someone else in the church we missed. Right? Because we didn't hear about it. Okay, so I come back to that 
later. But the point is, there is a priority, and there's nothing wrong with having taken care of your own first, which is what God would want us to do. Not at the exclusion of visitors or other people, don't get me wrong, but you have to take care of your own first. And God is okay with that, and that is actually God's instruction for the church. Okay, so then, how do you actually go about uh, sharing and, and taking care of the needs of the children of God, the family of God? Well, I'm going to give you some, again, very practical, this is a very practical message, some practical suggestions. The first is this, okay? The first practical way that you can help the members of the body of Christ in their needs is to tithe. Okay? Tithing is not an easy thing to do because it's 10% of your hard-earned money and you want to make, put it in a good place. Well, this is what happens with a lot of people. They, they get money from God, they're blessed, and they want to help other people because we're generous and loving people. That's great, right? So we give to missionaries sometimes. We give to uh, you know, various relief organizations, Compassion International. We do all those things, which is great. We should do those things as the Holy Spirit compels us to do. Okay? But again, in terms of priority and order, the first thing you want to do is tie to the church. Why? Because if you take your money and do what you want and help somebody, okay, that's okay. But why do we tithe and bring, it, bring the offering to the church? Exactly the same thing I told you earlier. The church has a leadership. It's got shepherds. It's got pastors. It's got ministers. And you bring the money to the church, and we say, where is the need? The greatest need, the most urgent need. You may have given away $100 to somebody, and it may not have been the greatest need in the church. As a church, we need to consider what is really important, who really desperately needs our help, right? And so if you bring the money to the church, the leadership can consider that, okay, and actually make a decision. Whereas if you do it on your own, I'm sure they will be blessed, I'm sure God will be pleased, okay? But that is how the God wants the church to operate. So, so that's why we suggest bring the offering to the church. Same thing for mission support. We want to support all the missionaries around the world, all the relief organizations around the world, right? Bring it to the church and we support our missions, okay? And we, we take care of the, the work of the church, the, the discipleship, and all of these things together make collective decisions instead of having our own decision, okay? And I, I was going through uh, premarital counseling and this question comes up all the time. It's kind of like this. A couple gets married and they have separate accounts. And many, many people think that's natural. And you know, I mean, I make my money, I got my job, you, got, you, have, you, know, you make money, make your job, you make your decisions, I make my decisions. What about the children? How do we make decisions for the children? Because that's a family issue, right? Well, I don't want to give that much money for the tuition. I want to give more money for the tuition. How do you make a decision on basic family things in terms of priority and importance, because we don't have infinite resources, right? Unless you have a joint account. It's kind of like that in the church, okay? The, the people of God tie, there's a pool of resources, and we make a decision together for the best interest of everyone, okay? Does that make sense? Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? And I'm not making this up as I go. Actually, if you look at the early church, this is exactly what they did. And I'll show you an example from the early church and how they ran church. Okay, so this is what it says. 
Acts 4, 35, 37. This is the early New Testament church, as they say. Uh, you know, after the Holy Spirit came, the church was growing. They're doing amazing things. And it says, first of all, this is an amazing verse, 35. There were no needy persons among them. Did you catch that? Very important, right? If you are a church, there shouldn't be anyone in the church that has needs that have not been met. Okay? Because God has given us lots and lots of resources. And we should be able to help everybody that has legitimate needs. Not their wants, you know. What I'm talking about, basic needs, we should be able to meet. In other words, there should be no one in the church that can, that can get evicted from their home or apartment. There should be no one in the church that misses a meal because they don't have money, right? There should be no one in the church that, that is walking around in rags because the church does not take care of it. That's what this means. The basic needs of the individuals in the church should be met and can be met. There were no needy persons among them for from time to time. Those who owned lands or houses sold them. So they liquidated their assets and they brought it to the church. Okay? They brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. Did you catch that? They could have liquidated their assets and said, I want to help some organization somewhere I'm going to liquidate my assets and, you know, send it to whatever. They didn't do that. They brought it to the apostles' feet, which is the leadership of the church, and say, I just liquidated a ton of assets. Here's a ton of money. What do you want to do with it? We got this. Okay? As a church, we know where the greatest needs are, who needs help, who's legitimate, you know, uh, need, and how to help them. Okay? And then it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whose apostles called him Barnabas, this is the famous Barnabas, right? Which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Again, Barnabas, the famous Barnabas and Paul that went on the first mission trip, did the same thing. He sold land and he brought it to the church and said, God told me to sell this asset because I don't really need it. I'm not going to take it to heaven. So here it is, a gift from God for the church, distributed as you had need. And what did the church do? They figured out where all the needs in the church were, and they gave it to them. And it says in verse 35, not a single need in the church was not met. Isn't that awesome? So brothers and sisters in the Lord, do you have any deeds, any, any ownership? Do you want to turn over to the church next Sunday? No amens on that? Oh, come on. I know, I know you have some stuff. Okay, you're saving up for a, a, a better day. <laughs> but we can't take it with you, first of all, just be reminded of that, okay? But more importantly, I'm not telling you to sell your stuff just yet. If, I mean, God moves you to go for it. But as a minimum, you should tithe, right? Because that's basic. As a minimum, you tithe, and I believe... God is such that if we honor him and we obey his commandments, do what he tells us to do, that's going to be enough to fill every need in the church. Okay? So me as a pastor of this church, my hope is that we do number 30, verse 35 right there. There's no needy person in the church. I don't ever want to have here, okay, someone in the membership of the body of Christ, the needs have not been met. That's neglect. Brothers and sisters in the Lord. If a legitimate need in a family member is not met, that's called neglect. And we as Christians cannot afford to neglect the ones that we love. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. So you got the first part. Give. 
tithe, we collect it, we prioritize it, and we give back. Amen? Amen. The second part is this. And I asked the questions to the, to the kids earlier today and said, how do you know that someone has a need? What did Sophia say? Do you remember? I love kids because they, they, they have such clarity of thought and such simple answers, right? I said, how do you know that someone has a need? And she says, ask them. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> you know? I love that. It's like so, so clear, so simple. I mean, who would have thought of that? You know? Do a survey. No, just ask them. So, why is that important? Okay, so the second thing I'm going to ask, ask is, is, in order to give and meet the needs of the needy in the church, we need to know what the needs are, right? I mean, very practical. How do you know? Have you visited every door, every knock, you know, what are your needs for this week? It's kind of hard to do, right? I mean, some of us, we can do that, but now we have texting, we could probably do it easier. But... It's not really that practical. So what is a practical way to understand the needs of others? A couple things. One is, we just, we're doing membership class. Okay, what is membership all about anyway? I mean, we're already in the body of Christ, in the big church, the Catholic church, the universal church, right? So if you once accepted Jesus Christ, you're in the family, the big family, the mega family, right? <laughs> the universal family. But there's a smaller family called the local church, okay? And in our case, it's called ICF. So at ICF, we, we, we recommend those that are willing to become members of the church. What is membership all about? You know, do you have to be a member? You can come and visit and worship me. You can do most of it anyway. Those that sign up for membership, why do they bother? What they're saying is very simple. You know, manner of speaking, lots of other things, but I'm going to just talk about, you know, what we're studying today. What they're saying is, I might have needs in the future, and I expect you to meet them because I'm a member of the body of Christ. I'm giving, I'm tithing, I'm doing everything that I can to support this church, and if I have a crisis in my life, I expect you guys to be there. And we say, amen. amen. We will be there for you, okay? That's what membership is all about. And then the member also says, you know what, if you have a, ever have a problem, you know, you have a, your house gets on fire, your car burns up, who knows what, you know, you lose your job, count on me. I will be there for you. Okay? That's what membership is. It's to say, hold me to a higher accountability. I will be there for you. I'm your brother. I'm your sister. I'm there for you. Will you be there for me? Yes, I will. <laughs> okay? And to a large extent, we are. We, we do that, actually, as members of the Christ. We always say, well, what about this member? If you go to the 915 prayer meeting, we say, what happened to this person? We haven't seen them in ages. What happened? Let's go look them up. Let's go visit them. This, this is bad. Right? Did they drop off the face of the earth? Are we okay with that? We are not okay with that. We love them. They're my sister or brother. We're going to go visit them. You go visit them. Okay, I'm going to call them. You text them. You know, we're, we're doing this thing. Right? And they say, oh, you know, I've, I've been having a hard time. I've been sick. You've been sick? You didn't tell us about it? Oh, my goodness. Make some food, visit, right? That's what members do. Can I get an amen? amen. Membership is a good thing. A lot of people say, oh, the obligation, the responsibility. Yes, there is obligation and responsibility. Do you have an obligation and responsibility to your brothers and sisters at home? I hope so. The same thing in the church. That obligation and responsibility is called an opportunity to love meet the needs of others. It's a good thing. 
right? <laughs> some of you, some of you, yes, some of you know. <laughs> okay, the other thing is to do meeting the needs of others well. There's a thing called branch fellowship, right? We go, to, we have, you know, today the the Tanzania branch saying they're offering some. What is branch fellowship? Branch fellowship, for those that don't know, we get together once or twice a month, you know, more like twice a month. And what do you do at branch? You eat, first of all. <laughs> Come on. We know why we go to branch. I mean, let's be honest. We eat. Oh, what's, what's, what's the food at branch fellowship tonight? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and we bring potluck. We share our lives. But we don't only eat and do Bible study. The most important thing about branch fellowship is what? How are you doing? That's the most important thing at branch. How are you doing? You know, like we say here, we say, we did this whole you know, greeting thing, right? How are you doing? I'm fine. I bet you everyone that walked through here today, I'm good. Now, the, the difference is when we have that little prayer time, you say, I'm not so good. I'm actually sick. My wife is sick. I'm about to lose a job. You know, you have a little bit more sharing in that five minutes of prayer time. But guess what? At branch, how much do you have? An hour and a half to two hours of what? Pouring out your knees to one another. And say, you know what? I'm so sad. You know, somebody in my family has got cancer and I'm just like a wreck. Oh my goodness, right? I need to know that in order to minister to you. Okay? To be there for you, and vice versa. And you do that twice a month over a long period of time, and guess what? Now you really have family. These are not strangers to you. You know their lives. You know what's going on, right? And you love them because you're sharing that love, that meeting one another's needs, giving freely to one another. That's exactly what the early church did. And so without that, as a part of the life of the church in your Christian walk, it's going to be dry. It's going to be Sunday worship, which is fine, but it's not enough because you don't really know what's going on in one another's lives. And it's hard to meet the needs of people that you don't know what's going on, right? And so back to the original example that I gave us of the care committee. The care committee needs to know the, the needs of the church, so we have a shepherd's branch, which we did on Wednesday. The shepherds, the, you know, the heads of the, the branches get together and say, are there needs in the church? What's going on in your branch? How are the people doing? I need to know, right? So we can meet one another's needs. So the branch fellowship is vitally important for the life of the church and for a Christian to function the way Jesus intended us to be. So membership is one, and the second is branch fellowship. If you're new to the church, great. We have branches that are, that are for you. In fact, I put in the bulletin in August. You get to visit different branches if you want. Check it out, see how they're doing. And if you want to switch once, you know, you can't switch every week, but you know what I'm saying. Switch once and, you know, fit in, find a branch you're really happy with, you can grow, you serve, and so on. Okay? So that's what branch fellowship is all about. Amen. So the first is give to the church, tithe, so we can give according to priority. The second is do membership class, become a member, get committed, meet the needs of one another. Okay? And do branch fellowship. All right. So the third thing I want to talk about today is uh, what we talked about earlier, which is hospitality. Practice hospitality, it says in the verse. Okay. Practice hospitality. So um, 
What's hospitality? Hospitality is not complicated. It's just opening up your house to people. Okay? Opening up your house to people. Now, that hospitality takes work, right? Because you open up your house, you feed them, you give them your time, your energy. It takes a lot of work. So hospitality is not the easiest thing to do. Okay? But there are a few stories I want to share with you from the Bible. There's a man named Abraham. Remember him? In the Old Testament, Genesis. Some strangers visited, knocked on your door, and said, Hello, we're here. Now let me ask you, if some strangers knocked on your door, not only one of them, but three of them, what would you do? <laughs> I'm busy. Can you like come another time? Well, Abraham, very generous guy, he opened the door and he served them the best that he had, right? He provided shelter, he gave them food, and he really took care of these, these strangers, right? And guess who they were? They turned out to be not just random strangers, they turned out to be very special people. The angel of the Lord and, and Jesus himself, he came and he visited Abraham and they had a great message that you are going to have a son, right? Isaac will be a gift to you. It was an awesome visit. So the Bible says, when you have visitors, consider hospitality to them because you never really know who they might be. They might be a messenger of God, right? So in Hebrews, it says, I think that's next up here. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. It's a reference to what Abraham did in his encounter with the Spirit of God, the presence of Christ, and the visitors that ultimately blessed him. So hospitality is sharing God's blessings, your house, your food, your time with other people. Okay? So, have you ever thought of this for a moment? When Jesus, I think he's going to be a preacher someday. He's going for it. Okay, so... When Jesus uh, was about to be born, remember the story of uh, Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem? And Jesus wound up being born in a manger? That whole town of Bethlehem, think of it for a second. There wasn't one family who was willing to show hospitality to a man and his pregnant wife. Have you ever thought about that? Yes, it was a census. Yes, the city was full. You know, everybody was booked up. But if you're an innkeeper and all your guest rooms are full and, you, and a, a man and a woman shows up with a, with a pregnant, you know, really she was full, right? Ready, all ready. And says, we have no place to stay. Put yourself in that innkeeper's shoes. What would you have said to that couple that's standing at your door? Would you have said, all my rental rooms are full, can't do it. Maybe they have an opening down the street. Or would you have said, you know, I know all the rooms are full in this town and you have nowhere to go. I have a bed, it's not a fancy bed, but it is a legit bed and I have a little bit of food. Would you please come in and take my master bedroom for the evening, right? Would you have done that? I think a lot of you would have done that. Can I get an amen? That would be awesome, right? I mean, I was thinking about that as we were preparing the message. Steve Chin, the innkeeper, right? In Bethlehem, we got all dressed up as Bethlehem guy. 
know, knock, knock. Who's there? Joseph and Mary. Oh, you're pregnant. Okay. You know what? I feel really bad for your situation. I know everything is full. Why don't you come into my house? It's a small house, but I got a little bed. You know, could you, you can have the master bedroom for what it's worth. I'll prepare some food for you. Wow, I would have been written up in the New Testament, right? (laughs) Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem. There was a dude named Steve Chin, and he let them in, and he fed them, and he took care of them, and the Savior of the world was born in Steve Chin's bed. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That would be so awesome, you know? I mean, it wouldn't work because that wasn't God's plan. I get that. You know, he had to suffer from the beginning of birth in a manger and all that stuff. I, I get that. But I was thinking, wow, if I had just been there, just give me, give me a shot at that, you know? That would have been so cool. Anyway, I digress. Okay, so hospitality is, is, comes from a generous heart, an opportunity to serve others, share in the needs of others, right? That's the whole idea of hospitality. Mary and Martha, the story we see in Mary and Martha of hospitality, Martha was was very hospitable. You see many examples of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the friends of Jesus, they're hosting all the time, you know. Do you open up your house and host all the time? Some of you enjoy it, some of you are like, ah, not so much, right? I think that's probably a gift of hospitality. But it takes work, that's the point, right? It takes a lot of work to show hospitality on a consistent basis. Now, if you do branch fellowship like we do in our church, okay, how often do we do branch? Twice a month or so. Oftentimes, it's at the shepherd's house. It's a lot of work. But I tell you what, one of the greatest blessings of hospitality, you know what it is? You get a clean house. Amen. <laughs> okay. I remember when, when Ashley and I, we were shepherds like you know, many, many moons ago. It's the first thing we did when we went to church. We were shepherds of, of a, a branch of college students, you know, like 20 or 30 of them, and they eat like horses. It's a disaster. You know, it's like, how in the heck are we going to feed these people? You know, we weren't rich. And the, you prepare food for 20, and like, can I have seconds? Like, no, we do not have seconds. Go away. You know, it was rough. But the greatest blessings, we did it every Friday, actually, it turned out in those days. Guess what? Our house was always clean every Thursday. Okay? If we did not have branch, there's no telling what would have been grown in that house. Okay? Because it was, it was not clean most of the time. But you're forced to clean. So guess what I did this, this week? You love this one. I'm the shepherd. Uh, I'm a branch shepherd of Maxwell Branch, right? So uh, we're going to do it at our house, you know. And it didn't really work out. So I, we meet at 7 o'clock. And I called Charles, one of our branch members, at 6 o'clock. And I said, Charles, we'll be coming over to your house for branch. And Charles like, are you kidding me? What kind of shepherd are you? <laughs> you know, telling me an hour before. But Charles is so gracious. He said, Pastor, I was already cleaning the house. And I said, bingo. So we charged over to the house, and it was clean. <laughs> Reasonably clean. But it was, it was pretty clean. So the blessings of serving, you get back in some way, right? God will always return the favor to us, and we are blessed by giving unto others. In the early church, how often did they meet? Do you remember? 
There you go. <laughs> In the early church, you know, this will freak you out, the church members met every day. Are you kidding me? Let's just, let me see if I have that up. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So, so they first met at the synagogue, the temple courts, and then they broke bread in homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They had branch fellowship every day. All right, shepherds, hear that? <laughs> How often should we meet? Once a month, twice a month, once a week, once every day. The more the better, right? It's hard to do it every day, obviously. But I'll tell you one thing, there is a difference between once a week and once every two weeks. Because for about 10 years at our house, we did it once a week, okay? And when the kids showed up, I didn't have to ask them how they're doing. I knew. As a shepherd, I knew exactly what was going on in their lives, what their spiritual condition was, how much food they've eaten, how they're doing their grades, their girlfriends and boyfriends. I had it down. So when they came in the next week, the next Friday, bam, I know exactly where you are. That was ministering to them. Right? You know what happens if you do it every, every two, two weeks? You forget. <laughs> okay? The person said, I'm, I'm losing my job, you know, and I'm struggling with my girlfriend. And they come in two weeks later, what was your problem again? You told me. You know, oh, never mind. <laughs> you don't remember. I mean, it's hard. I'm, I mean, so I'm not, I'm not advocating anything, but I'm, what the, it's good to know what the Bible is telling us. We don't have to do it exactly that way. But the point of this is this. The interaction somehow, whether it's the texting or communicating or phoning or FaceTime or food time, that interaction is vitally important for us to care for God's people. Because that interaction is what tells us the state of their emotional, spiritual, physical condition, right? And then we meet their needs and we satisfy their heart's desire through the presence of God, and they are satisfied, right? A good shepherd knows his sheep. And you know what? Not only do they know their sheep, the sheep are happy and fat. Did you get the fat part? <laughs> Not like overweight. They're, they're satisfied. They're satisfied. And so frequency does matter to some extent. It's hard to do. I get that. But we should think about it, okay? If you can't meet every week, at least contact somehow, okay? And keep in touch with your folks. That we will really understand the needs of one another. We will meet them. Last thing I want to share briefly is, is this idea <clears throat> that sharing is hard to do because sharing takes faith, okay? Now, today... We sang a song, the last song I think it was. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. What's the rest of it? All will sing, how great, how great is our God. What an, what an amazing song, right? Love that song. How great is our God, right? The creator of heaven and earth. You know, how big is our God? Is infinitely big, right? And giving and sharing takes faith in a big God. And I believe one of the reasons that we do not give generously is because we believe in finite resources and a small God, okay? We have this idea that, that God's going to run out of stuff, right? 
His hand is not big enough to provide for my needs and all the needs of the people that have needs and so on and so on and so forth. The Bible tells us over and over again that God is a big God. And God is capable of giving if he will give him a chance. Jesus fed, what, the 5,000 with what? Five loaves and two fish, right? I always forget in English whether it's two loaves or five fish. So I remember in Korean, it's obyong <laughs> eol. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so five loaves and two fish, he's fed the 5,000. What is that story trying to tell us? God does not run out, right? God is not a finite God. You know, have you ever seen one of those, uh, those refugee uh, ministries like uh, the Red Cross goes and, you know, gives a lot of food to a bunch of people and these big trucks and people come and they get their rations and they leave? You know, oftentimes there's riots and melees in those ration tables, right? They fight and they beat each other up and they try to get their food. Have you ever seen that? So what am I? Red crosses are helping you out. Why are you fighting and killing each other? You know, you know why that is. They think the truck is going to run out, and there's not going to be another truck for a while. And they fight. Right? It's not going to be enough. But what God reminds us through worship and His constant word is that He is a big God and He's not going to run out. And if we share generously with the needs of others, He will replenish us. Can I get an amen? amen? And so we practice generosity. because Not because we have a lot of stuff, but because we believe in a big God. And so he will continue to replenish and replenish and replenish. And we experience the provision of God, his faithfulness of God. right? And so I'm going to finish with the last story today, a famous story in the Old Testament of Elijah and the, and the widow of Japheth. So Elijah shows up, he's hungry and thirsty, and he says, can you give me some bread? This poor woman says, well, uh, all I have is a little bit of flour, okay? And me and my son were starving to death. And that's the last that we have. And in fact, I was going to go collect some wood, you know, to make our last meal before we starve and die. Pretty sad situation, right? Elijah says, I would need that bread from you. <laughs> okay. So the woman is thinking, what kind of man is this? He's asking me for, for bread when I'm talking about starvation. Did you not hear the starvation part? But the point of the story is this. She knew that this was a man of God, a prophet of God. And he said, do it. And the verses say, the woman made the bread, gave it to Elijah. And you know what? God provided. And she did not go hungry for the rest of her life. So what that story is, we may think, you know, we have this deprivation model that everything's going to run out. There's finite resources of water, of oil, you know, air. We have this finite idea. But we as believers believe in an infinite God, a huge God who's capable of, of crazy and a miraculous things. So once in a while, he asks us to step out in faith and give according to our faith that we may experience a living God who says, you want to see how big I am? You don't know me, okay? You don't know me well enough. Try me. Try me and experience 
how great I am, how big I am. And when we do that, when we praise how great is our God, it's not a verse on a screen. It becomes what? Our testimony. Amen? I believe in a great God. I believe in an infinite God. I believe in a God who has infinite resources. Right? And that's the kind of God that he wants to be to us and show to us. And for us to experience that, we do have to go out on faith and do what God asks us to do, is to share with God's people according to their needs. And I am so blessed at ICF. As far as I know, in our small church, there's blessedness in being small. There's no one here that has a critical need that is not met. And if you have one and we don't know about it, that's on you. (laughs) Okay? You need to go to a branch. You need to share with your shepherd. You know, you need to figure out a way to get that communication back to the leadership and give us an opportunity to bless you with what everyone has brought in from a tithe. Amen? Does that make sense? And if the church does that, that church glorifies God, is a witness in the community, right? To say, in that church called ICF, all the needs of the people have been met. That would be a fantastic testimony. And then once we get there, we don't stop there, but we then go out into the world and to share the blessings with others, right? Because now we've done our first part. Take care of your own. Now we're ready to go out. I believe we are ready to go out. Amen? Amen. We are ready to take on the community. (laughs) Right? We're ready for this. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you that you meet our needs. Help us, Father God, as a community of faith to meet the needs of our brothers and sisters, share with the children of God according to their needs, and help us to practice hospitality. What an awesome church you have blessed us with, with generous hearts, giving people, awesome shepherds who take care of the flock. We ask, Father God, for your continued blessing and bounty and provisions in this church, that we can not only take care of ourselves, but to go out into the world with your infinite resources and be a blessing to a suffering and dying and hungry world. Help us, Father, as a church to be more community-minded, to, uh, to minister to those around us that may have needs, for you have provided enough for us. And we are satisfied with you and your grace. We thank you, Father, for loving us in your amazing way and giving up your son Jesus, who went to the cross to love us, that he met our greatest and most dire need, which is salvation through his sacrifice on the cross. We are forever grateful for that, We are forever indebted to you for that and help us to have hearts full of grace and love as you have shown us first. We thank you for your love. We love you back. In Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen.